it's time for the November 10, 2023 edition of Weekly Signals Weekly Review, a personal recollection of the last 168 hours of history, broadcasting on Area Code Day from the University of California at Irvine on KUCI 88.9 FM. I'm Nathan Callahan. And I'm Mike Kaspar. And... As always, the caller who gave up his 213 for a 212, Mahler, the fake news dog. <laughs> yes, Mahler. Very good. That was yeah. a nice little yeah. chirp out of you yeah. today. Yeah. How do you feel huh, these days? Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, that's understandable, but things will get better, Mahler. Don't worry about it. Today we'll be talking about having a bit of fun, power outages insect extinction, non-hallucinogenic psychedelics, frozen turkeys, and so much more. But first, Mm -hmm. our orca update. Yeah. Orca update. Orcas attacked a Polish yacht for 45 minutes. My God. They weren't messing around. That's a sustained attack, 45 minutes. 45 minutes. Sinking it off the coast of Morocco. They sunk it. Yeah. A spokesperson for the Polish touring company, Morska Millet, said that its vessel, Grazi Mama 2, was in the Strait of Gibraltar when a pod of orcas targeted it. Uh The animals, which can grow up to 30 feet long, attacked the boat's steering fin for 45 minutes. Wow. They knew what they were going for there, causing major damage. The crew is safe, but the boat itself sank. Scientists have offered several possible explanations for the uh, orca's behavior. Mm. Grumpiness, I think, was one of them. Yeah. The possible explanations for the orca's behavior include past trauma. And current trauma. How's that? Or they're just having a bit of fun, like when a pot of orcas in the Pacific Northwest spent several weeks swimming with dead salmon balanced on their heads. (laughs) That that happened. (laughs) Whatever the cause, it's been happening more frequently. Researchers have documented hundreds of attacks since 2020, but most are bumps, not all-out assaults. Hmm. Well, would you characterize the incident? Yes, that would be an all. 45 minutes banging into a ship until it sinks, I would call an assault. Some of them are just kind of, you know, you're in your yachet or whatever it is over there you're yachet. floating in your yachet and yeah. you feel yeah. a bump <laughs> and you go well yeah yeah it was a bu- oh well you know yeah i yeah. got hit by an orca yeah that was that's kind of cool from the telegraph columbia is planning on culling hippos descended from a pet herd once owned by cocaine kingpin pablo escobar so they're thinking about snuffing some of these hippos because much in the fashion that Pablo Escobar yeah. snuffed his say, opponents. Say hello to my little friend. Twenty of the one hundred and sixty-six cocaine hippos will be sterilized, others will be transferred abroad, and some will be euthanized. The call was announced after authorities struggled f- for years to control the herd's population, with hippos declared an invasive species last year. I think the first one that arrives is an invasive species. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Maybe they have a There's different system n- okay. over there. Escobar, the former leader of the powerful Medellin drugs cartel, imported four of the animals from Africa in the 1980s and kept them in a private zoo at his residence, as we all do. Mm-hmm. 
After his death in a shootout with police in 1993, the animals were left to roam freely in the fertile and swampy region of Antioquia, where they thrived and multiplied. That's, nice that's, yeah, that's what God told them to do. Uh, well, and it was good conditions. It was good fertile conditions. Fertile and swampy. Yeah, fertile that's and That's where I like to multiply. Yeah. By the way, th there's just no way we can put them on a boat and put them and send them. Well, that's what they're trying to do. They're 3,000 pounds each, and they're, they're uh, a little bit grumpy. But while the animals have become a tourist attraction, their numbers became a pressing concern for the authorities, with adult males weighing in at up to three tons each and highly territorial. Hippos are the world's deadliest large land mammal, mm. killing hundreds of people a year in Africa. Fishing communities along Colombia's main river, the Magdalena, yeah. have reported being attacked by the hippos and some invaded a schoolyard, although no one has been killed yet. While culling potentially offers the most effective means of controlling hippo numbers, the government will still be working on trying to export them. As a last resort to control the population, the environment ministry is creating a protocol for euthanasia. So in other words, they want to get rid of them. There's a lot of yeah. them there. Yeah. They're going to try and uh, send some off. Uh, they're dealing with India. They're, India supposedly is uh, setting up a deal to take about 60 of them. Okay. And of course, the closer you can get them to go, yeah. the easier it is on your part. Yeah. This just in, Admiral Nemo. Can Nemo's. you imagine uh, yeah. FedExing a hippo to yeah. say, uh, yeah. even just up to like uh, San Luis Obispo? Yeah. That costs a lot of money. It would be a lot of money. That would take a whole truck. It would, yeah, probably a couple of trucks. Well, yeah, <laughs> a couple, couple of trucks. trucks yeah. You're not, not going <laughs> to cut it in two, Mike. Well, yeah. <laughs> From Scientific American, on average, today's adults are better able to concentrate at work than the generation before them. Say again? On average, today's adults are better to concentrate at work than the generation before them. Okay. That's according to a meta-analysis in the journal Personality and Individual Differences. Why would that be? This is a funny little article here. Because I'm reading it, and then I'm thinking, well, that doesn't seem right. They seem to be hedging things. But you'll get something out of the article, so just pay attention. Okay. The research group that conducted the study sees this as evidence that attention is subject to the Flynn effect, a phenomenon where the population's mean IQ rose from generation to generation. On average, IQ scores rose by about three points per decade in the mid to late 20th century. This trend is now stagnating in some countries and is even reversed in others. In another study earlier this year that I just, just started looking around, mm -hmm. IQ scores in the U.S. seem to be falling. Cognitive abilities declined between 2006 and 2018 across three of the four broad domains of intelligence, logic, vocabulary, visual and mathematical problem solving, and analogies. Either way, the ability to focus attention is a component of general intelligence and may contribute to the Flynn effect. In other words, each generation gets smarter. Yeah. With this idea in mind, the researchers in the first study, the one that says adults today can concentrate better, analyzed data from 179 studies involving a total of more than 21,000 people from 32 countries, including the U.S., Germany, Austria, and Switzerland. On average, concentration performance increased moderately in adults between 1990 and 2021. 
Hmm. Well, that doesn't seem like something that would be a trend during those years. It seems like we lost our concentration there. I mean, we elected yeah, we do. Yeah. Trump, yeah. and we elected Tommy uh, George Tuberville. W. Bush. See, Tommy Tuberville. Yeah, yeah I mean, uh, we've elected a lot of idiots. Uh, and and just own. in general, yeah. we've been distracted with a lot of things, too. You yeah. think your concentration would be a bit upset by a, a pandemic and right. uh, 9-11 and a lot of other things that happened during those years. Yeah. And I know that education doesn't correlate to an uh, increase in IQ, although I think that I think there is probably some connection. But I, I can't say as a as a uh, scientist of of uh, intelligence that that's true. But a scientist of intelligence. I, yeah, I don't know. I just made that up. I study intelligence. I study, I study smart things. Yeah. And um, <laughs> smartology. Smart. <laughs> I'm a smartologist, <laughs> amateur. But I do think there is some connection to an environment where people are learning things, and it does exercise the brain as a muscle, and and it would I think it help you improve your IQ. They're, they're going off of IQ tests, and that's been, yeah. uh, you know, a subject of debate for a long time and who it favors. I just thought it was a curiosity that they'd be saying, on one hand, yeah. that our concentration is greater, when it seems counterintuitive to me. Yeah. Intuitively, I would think, with all the distractions in the world, yeah. our concentration would be less. And, in fact, another study even showed that it was less, yeah. or at least our intelligence uh, went down in the U.S., for children, and this is where it gets uh, interesting, for children, however, the intelligence remained uh, roughly the same. Although children worked increasingly faster throughout the years, they made more mistakes. Mm, okay. The researchers interpret this as an indication of impulsive testing behavior that is possibly caused by a greater societal tolerance for errors and an increased tendency to measure performance in terms of speed rather than accuracy. You think that's happened? I don't know. As a smartologist, I'm I'm just not sure. Well, I think so. I think, think so? I think the uh, self-esteem uh, factor in oh, our yeah. education has been, yeah. uh, you know, well, yeah. he's he's learning. Yeah, he's learning how to make this work. When they when someone yeah. is actually making an error, yeah. they're not encouraged to make errors. But errors are you don't get hit with a uh, a book across the temple right. if you're. Right. If you make an error like you did in, in uh, at Catholic school, in Catholic yeah, school yeah, and, yeah. and the scars are still there. They're still there. And this uh, impulsive testing behavior uh, is possibly caused by an increased tendency to measure performance in terms of speed rather than accuracy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I would say that's going on. There's a lot more attention to getting things done quickly. Well, there's also this other factor. I don't know if it matters. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe it does. And that is video games. Video games. Yeah. They make I, you smarter. I don't know. Do they? I don't know. Yeah. That's, that's, that's what I mean. Is that so, a, is, and that also depends on what they're testing. Exactly. Is that yeah. an X factor in all of this? In the, and that in brings that, us back to IQ. Yeah. Coming to, if you play one of these games, you have to have quick reactions. Most of the games that I know of are based on being able to do, make decisions very quickly. Not right. necessarily the right decisions, but make those decisions in a very rapid way. If you're still paying attention, may I recommend a donation to KUCI because you're smart and good looking. <laughs> Just go to KUCI.org. Your generous donation is how we stay on air. Commercial free, free form, free speech radio, KUCI 88.9 FM.
from Science News. The last 12 months were the hottest in 150 years of record keeping and probably in the last 125,000 years, thanks to human-caused climate change, a new report finds. From November 2022 through October 2023, the planet's average temperature was about 1.3 degrees Celsius higher than the average temperatures from 1850 to 1900. That's just shy of the 1.5 degree threshold often cited as a benchmark for avoiding irreversible and dangerous impacts from the climate. I think we have to stop saying that 1.5 because we're, okay. we're, we're blowing past that. And every time I hear it, I think to myself, anybody who said, would you hear it said in these stories, it's said in a way that, well, we're, we want to avoid this 1.5 degree increase because, you know, the, the whole world's going to fall apart. Hell no. We have, we're on our way. That's just a speed bump right now. We are on our way past that in a big way. Well, what they usually say is what's said in this article, that that was a benchmark. Yeah. And we're passing it. Okay. From the Washington Post. The nation's power grid faces a sharp risk of buckling in the event of major storms or prolonged cold snaps this coming winter, with much of the country threatened with outages triggered by severe weather. A sweeping portion of the country that extends from Texas to the Canadian border is not adequately equipped for tough winter conditions, the North American Electric Reliability Corporation warned. A major concern is the potential for disruptions in natural gas generation as power plants and the infrastructure that delivers fuel to them are destabilized by the strain of extreme cold. It is a pattern that was played out last year during winter storm Elliott, which resulted in cascading outages throughout the eastern United States. Some of the states that have been most aggressively shifting away from fossil fuels, like California, Washington, and New Mexico, were found by the North American Electric Reliability Corporation <laughs> to have the lowest risk of power outages this winter. So we're doing well. Yeah. And I think that's a lot to do because we're a little bit proactive, California is. Yeah. We're not really proactive enough, I don't think, right. but we're proactive enough to be one of the top uh, reactors in the yeah, country. Right, yeah. right. We're, 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 we're preparing ourselves for, for this. No, it is, it is encouraging that those states, including California you mentioned, are doing better. And as you said as well, I believe that we could be we could be doing a lot better than that, and um, but we're on the right track. Let's, I, yeah. Again, I come back to this. I, I know I've said it before, and I'm probably beating a dead horse here, but there is so much money to be made in transitioning our infrastructure into something that's sustainable and that will be able to adapt to a world in which climate change is the reality instead of a looming reality. Yeah. And I, don't, I just don't understand why money is... A lot is of people are. Yeah, pouring money are. into this. Yeah. Because people are lazy. Yeah. Okay. You know, yeah. keep in mind that you were the one that made the huge trip every day into Los Angeles. Yeah, I know. I you know. You spent a lot of money on gasoline. I know. They're making money off you, and yeah. they should want to do that. So my dying days, I, yeah, a regret that I. Every and a lot time of people can, yeah. are are forced to do that, and they yeah. can't afford electric cars. No, and there's a lot of things that that take a time in transition. It's just be uh, nice if we did it quicker. And and people are taking advantage, and people are making money yeah. out of the transition. Yeah. From Los Angeles Times, new development in Riverside County could threaten the future of a small oak tree that has been around since the Ice Age. 
perched atop a prominent hill in northeast Jerupa Valley, the Jerupa Oak, a Palmer's Oak, is believed to be between 13,000 and 18,000 years old oh and is deemed by experts as California's oldest living tree. It's very sacred to us. It's part of our life, said Michael Negretti of the Shoshangna Tangva Nation Corona Band of Gabrielinos. He urged consideration for the impact on local wildlife if the development proceeds. The new development project aims to erect warehouses, retail spaces, and approximately 1,600 homes within the area where the oak stands, raising fears about potential threats to the tree's survival. Aaron Nichols, the conservation chair for the California Native Plant Society, expressed the extraordinary nature of the oak, labeling it as miraculous due to its age. He and other conservationists have voiced their concerns regarding the proposed development by Richland Communities, whose regional office is here in Irvine. You can just look them right up if you want to hold up placards and or uh, bring them some oaks and hit them over the head with it. Say the name uh, of the company again. Richland Communities. Okay. They're headquartered here in Irvine, and they're planning this development that might do great harm to this 18,000-year-old tree in Riverside. The combination of urban development could lead to increased wildfire risks, pollution, and interference with the tree's water source, Eccles explained. The proposed development is in its early stages, and the environmental impact report has only recently been made available for public review. At present, the buffer zone surrounding the Jerupa Oak spans 259 feet. However, there are calls for a much wider protective zone around the ancient tree. City officials have indicated that a decision on the project is still months away. <coughs> From The Guardian, two million species are at risk of extinction, a figure that is double previous UN estimates, a new analysis found. While scientists have long documented the decline of species in plants and vertebrates, there has always been significant uncertainty over insects, with the UN making a tentative estimate of 10% threatened with extinction in 2019. Since then, more data has been collected on insects showing the proportionate risk of extinction is much higher than previously estimated. Because there are so many insect species, this doubles the global number of species at risk. That's why we have two million now that are at risk of extinction. Insects pollinate crops, recycle nutrients into the soil, and help decompose waste. So don't don't scoff at the fact that insects are part of an extinction figure. Uh, we, we here at Weekly Signals celebrate insects. Yeah. We hold them in high esteem. And, and the, uh, just think about that number for a second. I, I mean, it's a number, and you hear it, and you think, well, two million species. Now, I understand that the Earth goes through kind of a purging of species that are weak or whatever, and the things change in the, in the natural environment to create these situations for these different animals and insects. However, phosphates, insecticides, polluted water, all of these things are now exacerbating, accelerating, devastating effects on, on these poor little creatures. Yeah, and without insects, our planet would not be able to survive no, as it is. No. We wouldn't be able to survive. No, Mahler wouldn't survive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh. yeah. Yeah, yeah. I agree, Mar. That's the way I feel about it. 
You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM, Irvine, California. Visit us on the web at KUCI.org, on Facebook at Facebook.com slash KUCI 88.9, on our Tumblr blog at KUCIRadio.tumblr.com, and on Twitter and Instagram at KUCIFM. (laughs) Yesterday was a good day for democracy here in the United States of America, Mm -hmm. if you discount Joe Manchin. But he's not good for democracy anyway. No, so what he's are you not. Do? In Ohio, voters enshrined the right to abortion in the state constitution. In Kentucky, voters re-elected Governor Andy Beshear, a Democrat, for another four-year term. In Pennsylvania, voters put Democrat Daniel McCaffrey, who positioned himself as a defender of abortion rights on the state's Supreme Court. In Rhode Island, Gabe Amo, a former Biden staffer who emphasized his experience in the Biden White House, won an open seat in the House of Representatives to become Rhode Island's first black member of Congress. And nationwide, right-wing Moms for Liberty and anti-transgender rights school board candidates tended to lose their races. And in Virginia, Democrat Schiller Van Valkenburg beat incumbent Republican State Senator Sibhan Dunavent the sponsor of a culture war parents' rights law that was behind the removal of books from schools. So there were a lot of good things that happened in the election. And I'm not pitting Democrats against Republicans, but Republicans are now the party of authoritarianism. And book banning and taking away people's civil rights. So it was a good day for democracy. Yeah, it really was. It really was. We talked about it a lot and the, the the decision on Dobbs on the essentially taking away women's health care options is continuing to have an impact on these races I do think that if the Democrats were smart they would either reintroduce or push for the passage of the ERA which is only like two three or four states away from being ratified or introduce a new version of the ERA which would essentially codify a woman's option whether or not to have an abortion or not have an abortion as a part of the constitution and i i think that that would be to me the smart thing for the democrats to do moving forward introduce a new version of the era that includes that as part of, of the uh, of the legislation from the california health line california health line A new law signed by Democratic Governor Gavin Newsom provides protection for patients from having to pay for what has been dubbed surprise bills from out-of-network ambulance providers. At the federal level, an advisory committee established under the No Surprises Act is working on a plan to address the problem nationally. But the federal law, which took effect in 2022, and a California law that predates it, largely banned balanced billing for hospital care and air ambulance services, but not ground ambulance services. That's hardly fair, since patients have zero control in a medical emergency over which ambulance company responds, whether it's in a network or how much it will charge. The average surprise bill for a ground ambulance ride in California is $1,200, the highest in the nation. The new law, which applies to about 14 million Californians enrolled in state-regulated commercial health plans, and also caps bills for uninsured people, stipulating that they can't be charged more than the Medi-Cal or Medicare rate, whichever is greater. So this is a good thing. It is a a very good thing. thing. I I have real-life experience with this. My dad went into one of those urgent care places. This was Mm -hmm. about a year ago. 
and it was literally no more than two miles from Hogue Hospital, which is where they ended up taking him. Uh-huh. They wanted $1,500. For the two-mile trip. For the two-mile trip yeah. to Hogue Hospital. And Surprise! It, he, and it wasn't like he was in cardiac arrest, or it wasn't he, one of those things where he had to be there immediately. They drove him over there at yeah. the speed of traffic to get him over yeah. there. No, no sirens. No right. sirens, yeah. nothing. They drove him about two miles. $1,500. From the Associated Press, Meta will require political campaigns to disclose their use of an artificial intelligence in advertisements. It'll go into effect next year and be required globally. The Meta announcement cited specific uses of AI that advertisers will, will have to disclose. They include ads showing an actual person saying or doing something that they didn't say or do depicting a realistic-looking individual who doesn't exist, or a realistic-looking event that didn't happen, or altering footage of a real event. Also barred are ads that show a realistic event that allegedly occurred, but that is not a true image, video, or audio recording of the event. Meta also promised to crack down on advertisers that fail to comply. If we determine that an advertiser doesn't disclose as required, we will reject the ad, Of course you will. And repeated failure to disclose may result in penalties against the advertiser, the company said. I don't like the may part in there. It may result in penalties. And repeated failures? Well, you know, how about three strikes and you're out? If you violate this three times, you won't be doing it anymore. You won't be advertising it. It should be pretty obvious that if you're showing footage of something that appears to exist but doesn't exist. Yeah. You're in violation. Yeah, I, I don't know the exact date of the election in 2024 for president. But let's mm-hmm. say it's November 5th. Uh-huh. Let's say on November 3rd, there's this video out of Biden in the fifth floor of the school depository building in Dallas with a rifle. Uh-huh. Right. We have a video. They have found the video of Biden shooting Kennedy in 1963. Wow, he'd, he'd just be a little Joe Biden then, wouldn't he? <laughs> yeah. be like a, well, old enough uh, to have a, you know, man liquor carcano. I mean, be yeah. like about 16 years old or something. <laughs> yeah. you know? And yeah. angry, pissed yeah. off about something. Yeah. So what's the damage done? And the company says, we'll pay the fine. We're in a new world. It could have been a much stronger statement from Meta. They don't yeah. want to lose advertisers. Yeah. But these are advertisers that are lying to people. Yes. Someone's going to get sued in this, exactly. and it should be meta if they don't do anything about My it. My advice, unplug. Everybody unplug right now, un- except for this, except for if you're listening to KUCF. You don't want to unplug. I don't agree with you. Okay. You just have to be smart enough and understand what regulations are and vote for people who are putting regulations yeah. in place yeah. so you're not lied to. Yeah. <laughs> From Los Angeles Times, the Orange County Register, and the voice of OC. For more than 80 years, two massive domed blimp hangars dominated the city of Tustin's southern edge. Reaching 17 stories high, more than 1,000 feet long, and nearly 300 feet wide, the cavernous wooden structures are at the now-defunct Marine Corps Air Station, once housed military helicopters and blimps armed with machine guns and bombs. The hangars are two of the world's largest freestanding wooden structures, Both are listed in the Register of National Historic Places. On weekends in the late 20th century, civilians and clubs would visit the hangars to fly model airplanes inside the structures, which could hold their own weather at times. In fact, some of the planes would actually be uh, flying through clouds inside the blimp hangars. 
Wow. The hangars took about six months to build on an accelerated schedule in 1942 as the U.S. ramped up its war effort after entering World War II. But this week, as smoke poured into the sky from a massive fire, the North Hangar took just hours to burn before firefighters decided to let it go. 70 OCFA firefighters on 11 engines and five fire trucks responded to the fire, which was so large and complex that officials deployed helicopters to drop water on the huge structure. The North Hangar, the hangar that burned with its nearby southern twin, is still owned by the Department of Navy. After evaluating any health risks from the materials used 80 years ago and since to preserve and make the wood fire resistance, the South Coast Air Quality Management District has collected and analyzed air and ash samples, which indicate the presence of asbestos as well as heavy metals, including lead, arsenic, and nickel in the air in the vicinity of the hangar. To help minimize your exposure, keep windows closed on windy days, spray your patio with water instead of sweeping it, avoid using leaf blowers, wash off ash from vehicles or outdoor toys or furniture, and wash off your pets, too. Uh, that's right, Mahler. You're next. <sighs> yeah, arsenic in the air. It's too bad when we were really getting the smoke in the air. Mm -hmm. And the winds. We had Santa Ana winds yeah, the next right. day. That's that announcement about the asbestos was not made. Oh because they were still doing the testing. There's got to be a faster system and even a preemptive system. If you know that this thing's been around for 80 years, yeah. there should be an all-points bulletin going out that says there's more than likely asbestos around here. I think the fear is, is with the Chamber of Commerce. They don't want to shut businesses down or mm -hmm. put the fear of people in going out and buying whatever it is they buy. But come on. Right. This, this is important. If there's asbestos in the air around any location, if you think there's a possibility, you got to at least put up an announcement. Let people make their own decision, right. but at least announce that there's a great possibility of asbestos. Yeah. <laughs> From BBC News, a man was crushed to death by a robot in South Korea after it failed to differentiate him from a box of food it was handling. The incident occurred when a man, a robotics company employee in his 40s, was inspecting the robot. The robotic arm, confusing the man for a box of vegetables, grabbed him and pushed his body against the conveyor belt, crushing his face and chest. He was sent to hospital, but later died. Oh, my God. From Reuters News Service, the latest setback for General Motors' own cruise, the driverless car company issued a voluntary recall of 950 of its vehicles nationwide after a horrific crash in San Francisco last month and signaled layoffs could be coming. The latest developments come after one of Cruz's self-driving cars failed to detect a pedestrian pinned underneath its vehicle and dragged her for about 20 feet, causing serious injuries. Oh. Cruz issued the recall this week to correct the programming in its entire driverless fleet, saying it will address a post-collision response that could increase the risk of injury. The company already grounded its entire driverless fleet across the country last month after the pedestrian accident. Cruz said the software update will address its collision detection subsystem to better determine whether it should stay in place after a crash or move out of traffic, depending on the nature of the incident. In an interview with the Washington Post last month, 
Cruise Chief Executive Kyle Vogt said the criticism of driverless cars is overblown and that many of the incidents involving his company have been sensationalized. The woman was dragged 20 feet under his car, who was stopped at the time and then decided it should move forward with a person underneath it. I don't think that's sensationalizing. It's, It's the facts. Kyle changed his tune in recent weeks, apologizing for the company for the accident, but that didn't stop him from telling employees that layoffs are possible as the company tries to rebuild public trust. You want to rebuild public trust in Cruz, I say fire this Kyle Vote guy. Yeah. From the Atlantic, some neuroscientists now believe that a transcendent reality-warping trip is just a side effect of psychedelics, one that isn't sufficient or even necessary to produce the mental health benefits psychedelics provide. Now a new generation of non-hallucinogenic psychedelics, at least one of which is currently being tested in humans, aims to provide all the mental health benefits of LSD, psilocybin, or ecstasy without the trip. Doesn't sound as much fun, though. I was just going to say the same thing. During the trip, psychedelics are silently, silently doing something even more remarkable than warping reality. They are rapidly inducing a state of neuroplasticity in which the brain can more easily recognize its structure and function. Neuroplasticity enhances learning, memory, and our ability to respond and adapt to our environment and could be central to the therapeutic effects of psychedelics. Trip-free psychedelics would be a great therapeutic boon, dramatically expanding the number of people who can experience the benefits of these drugs. Yeah. They might also shed new light on how much psychedelics can alleviate psychic distress and why they do so at all. Remarkably, just a few doses of either psilocybin or MDMA can produce a rapid lasting improvement in depression and anxiety symptoms, meaning symptom relief within minutes or hours that lasts up to 12 weeks. The FDA is widely expected to approve MDMA ecstasy for supervised use sometime in 2024. Sounds good to me. From Wired Magazine, many pro golfers practice using room-sized golf simulators in their personal gym. That's not what Cameron Young, PGA Tour Rookie of the Year from 2021 to 2022, is up to. Young is testing a system for real competition that will be aired on primetime with $20 million of prize money at stake. And he's one of 24 pros, including golf legends Tiger Woods and Rory McIlroy, right? Yep. Who are involved in the most ambitious effort yet to merge e-gaming and actual pro sports. It's called TGL, allegedly not an acronym for the golf league, but three TV-friendly letters that don't mean anything. (laughs) TGL. (laughs) TGL's first event will take place on January 9th, 2024, inside a $50 million-plus custom-built arena with an inflatable dome in Palm Beach Gardens, Florida. Of course it's in Florida. A 200,000-pound turntable will support an 800,000-pound green that will shapeshift to give each hole its character. A 4K screen will rival the Goliath displays of SoFi Stadium and project wherever they're shooting the ball. The stands will accommodate around 1,600 live spectators who will be encouraged to violate golf's silence rule by cheering, grunting, and moaning. Players themselves will be mic'd up in hopes their trash talk might go online viral. 
No more dreamy pantomimes where players line up a putt, consult with a caddy, walk to the hole, dust away imaginary specks of grass, line up the putt again, stand over the ball, pull back, and start the whole thing over. If you don't slam the drive or hit the putt in 40 seconds, you will be penalized a stroke. I have wondered about the future of golf. Not that I'm invested in whether or not it yeah. survives, but nonetheless, given climate, given how much damage is being done around the world, there is going to be a day of reckoning for golf when the environment doesn't allow for you to play four days in a row in any of these, a lot of these locations that they currently have these tournaments. Yeah. So you just go indoors. You just go indoors. I would have been wondering, like, at some point, it's going to matter that the climate has changed so dramatically that these golfers can't play in 110 degree weather or they can't play in a monsoon or they can't play in a whatever. So this may be where we're going with all of this. It means that some kid in Costa Mesa that's on his computer all the time could be the world's greatest golfer in the future, too. Well, they're going to actually hit a ball off a green. Yeah. It's just that the, the fairway will not be there. It'll yeah. just be a screen, yeah. and okay. they'll estimate how yeah. far the ball will yeah. go, yeah. and they'll estimate yeah. that he went into the rough. Yeah. 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 From the Independent, a tourist caused a scene outside a Lisbon restaurant after accidentally making a bomb threat. The 36-year-old Russian speaker had confused the Portuguese word for pomegranate and grenade when trying to order fruit juice. And finally, from the Orlando Sentinel, the owners of Roof Easy in Cape Coral, Florida, announced a Thanksgiving special where anyone who purchases a new roof during the month of November will get a frozen turkey and an AR-15 semi-automatic rifle. What? You can subscribe to the Weekly Signals Weekly Review Podcast at weeklysignals.com. Weeklysignals.com. Subscribe now. <laughs> <laughs>